Hello and welcome to the week two edition of the Going Long podcast. Uh, lots of good games to get through this week, a couple of blowouts, lots of close games, some comebacks. Uh, we're going to get through it all. Let's get straight into it. So, uh, the first game I'm going to talk about this week is the first game of the week, the Browns versus the Bengals on Thursday night. Yeah, there was the matchup between uh, Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow, both number one picks. Um, Mayfield and the Browns had a terrible outing last week against uh, Baltimore, which it's looking like almost every team that plays Baltimore will have. So, they did yeah. play, a bit, play a bit better right off the bat. Uh, Mayfield completed his first few passes. Uh, and they got, uh, after a second quarter, a 43-yard touchdown to OBJ, who Mayfield was trying to find early and often because of his poor uh, stats last week. And everyone's talking about whether he's uh, really as good a wide receiver as it's yeah, been, exactly. as, there was as a we lot, all thought. There was a lot of talk about their connection between those two. May, all of Mayfield's numbers are actually down since OBJ joined the team uh, when they traded for him uh, at the beginning of last season. So it was good to see yeah. them making the connection early and often. Yeah, so that uh, that touchdown put the Browns up fourteen to three. Burrow had been had been playing well. Uh, just moved them up the field close to a touchdown, but uh, there was a there was, they lost uh, for the second touchdown. They lost the ball on a snap that just came too early and went right by Burrow. Uh, they yeah. lost uh, mm-hmm. lost a possession on that. Um, I think the the true difference between the two teams today was that the Bengals can't stop the run. Uh, we saw it last week when they played the Chargers. Uh, yep. They ran all ran all over them. I think even, the Browns. Even more so uh, in this game. It was... Yeah, Nick, Nick Chubb ran for 124 yards, two scores, while Kareem Hunt ran for 86 and another score. Uh, <laughs> the quarterback. Yeah, it was it was it was a huge game running the ball for the Browns, which and the Browns' uh, passing offense comes a lot out of the play action. They're most successful in those kinds of plays. So when they've got a team that can't defend the run, that's when you see Baker and these wide receivers really open up. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Browns the Browns went ahead early, but Burrow showed a lot of poise. He threw the ball sixty one times, uh, which is the second most ever by a rookie. With uh, no completed, interceptions as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, completed thirty seven of them and tossed three uh, touchdowns. Uh, the last of which put the Bengals within five in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't get the onside kick and the Browns held on. I uh, thought he was, I thought Burrow was awesome. Not to talk too much about the losing side, but I was really impressed with him. Uh, with everything that was happening, like you say, you've got snaps flying over his head. You've got the other team running all over the place, taking minutes off the clock. To keep them in it and give them a chance to win in the fourth was really pretty impressive. Oh, yeah, it's really promising for the Bengals. Their their, their defense just didn't show up. They they, they definitely had a, had a chance to win this game, which they probably shouldn't have after the first couple of quarters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I have one other thing that we probably should talk about related to this game, which is going to hurt your feelings. And it hurt mine when I realized it, but we need to talk about it. <laughs> AJ Green might be washed. He might yeah, be done. Yeah, they, 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 he dropped a... Uh, dropped a couple of passes in this game, and he only they held him to two catches for something. Like he can barely get yards. open. He was just blanketed. Burrow was looking his way because he's a natural target. He's the exact kind of guy that you want your young quarterback to be looking towards, and he just can't seem to get any separation, uh, which is is a key skill of his and something that he used to do with ease. I mean, he ended up going Tyler Boyd's way much more often, who had a great game mm. for the Bengals. Uh, and even the rookie T. Higgins was getting involved. But A.J. Green there is there three catches for only 29 yards. This is through yeah. two weeks now, man. I was I was excited. We talked about him in our preseason podcast uh, as a potential comeback player of the year. It's not going to happen. He doesn't look anything like the uh, 
player he was before the ankle injury that kept him out last season. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's a shame when these huge stars go out with an injury, we always hope that they're going to come back as their old self. And we yeah. had we spoke about AJ, I believe, during the Comeback Player of the Year discussion in our first episode this year. Yeah. Um, and so obviously everyone thought with uh, the new quarterback, he might have a huge year. But um, we'll hopefully he can recover. I mean, he's only had two games back. Um, I hope so. I do hope so. This is, a, this is a pro AJ Green podcast, if you can believe that, despite the fact that he... Uh, Plays against in the AFC North. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got anything else on Browns and Bengals? I think that's uh... no. That was pretty much it. Just the the two quarterbacks. Both Burrows come in started well as Baker did during his first season when he came in, and yeah. Baker's trying to get back to the promise that now everyone's talking about Burrow. Everyone was talking about Mayfield in the same way, and uh, I think Mayfield has a lot to prove. And the Browns have the squad to put together. Um, the longer the coach has to get his imprint on the team, probably the better they'll be. And it's no shame in losing to Baltimore. No, absolutely not. I mean, I, Mayfield, I thought he was pretty impressive. He came out with the, the juice. You could tell he want, he had something to prove. And he did a great job of it. I will say his one interception was an awful one. Uh, they're down yeah. kind of getting towards the red zone with a chance to even kicking a field goal probably would have iced the game for them. Throws a terrible pick over the middle uh, that gives the Bengals another chance. Ultimately, they end up getting stopped and, and Kareem Hunt runs in the, the game winner. But that kept putting themselves in that kind of situation isn't going to fly every week. So I'd like no. to see better decision-making from him in that respect. But no, I thought he had a, it's a solid bounce back from a terrible week one. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how each of these teams are moving forward. I think both have potential to um, be better than people thought they would be before the season. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we will see. Who, what game would you like to talk about first, Callum? Uh, I'm going to go with the Rams visiting the Philadelphia Eagles and putting a whooping on them. Goodness yeah. me. Ends up 37-19 to 19 in favour of the visiting Rams. Uh, first thing is, great start to the season to the Rams, who are now 2-0. Uh, to me, they get a lot of credit for just being ready to play. There's a lot of teams that have looked like uh, they haven't quite managed to simulate the off-season, uh, as we've discussed many times, in as effective a way as you would like. But the Rams came right out the gate. These Both games, they've been ready to go. They look like they're in mid-season form. Everybody's in shape. Everybody knows what their jobs are. I'm not saying they're the best team in the league, but they are crisp and clean and uh, very few mistakes, which is letting them just take advantage of these uh, two now victories that they've had against the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, the yeah. On you go. No, I was just going to say the, the Eagles uh, on the other side really weren't expecting to be 0-2 uh, to start the season off. They, um, no, I wouldn't they, have thought so. They, they were incredibly uh, – I, I expected them to be good, but the, the Rams' defense uh, is, just, is just punishing. I think uh, over time, the longer that um, you have – your offensive lineman going up against that defensive line, it just wears you down and towards like the end of the game there's no chance for a comeback. Yeah, I mean that's that's very much how it went down on, on Sunday for that team. Uh the other thing I was gonna say about the Rams is just first of all, we'll see how the Eagles turn out. They might be a disaster, but if they're if they kinda get on track here and turn out to be a decent team like we both thought they would be, starting the season with wins over them and the Cowboys is a pretty solid way to go. And those are two decent wins to put on your schedule. Uh the other thing is, 
it's been impressive to me that through two weeks, the Rams have kind of won both ways, if you see what I mean. They've, they won with defense in week one, and they blew the doors off the Eagles in week two, scoring 37 points with, yeah. with their offense. I mean, and going against two teams in the Cowboys and Eagles, respectively, they've kind of beaten them. How do I, how do I put this that makes sense? Those are supposed to be, they've kind of undone what's supposed to be the stronger side of the ball for their opponent. Dallas's offense is supposed to score a million points. Yeah. They were limited to 17. The Eagles are meant to have one of the most stacked defenses, no matter what's going on with Carson Wentz, no matter how many times he's getting sacked, and they ran them off the field. So being able to adapt and overcome not just uh, attacking your opponent's weaknesses, but attacking their strengths is a sign of uh, a lot of positivity and great coaching again from Sean McVay and, and his staff over there. I think I've spoke about this before. I've spoke about how Belichick he plans for every game and like decides what the other team is going to do and yeah. attacks that weakness, as you were saying. Sean McVay is like, I have the best game plan in this league and I'm going to beat you with my game plan. Uh, yeah. And which can, when you come up against the really tough opponents in the playoffs, uh, you, but if they keep playing like that, like they, they will. McVay sure, is just. I, I think he's probably learned from, from previous experience, like when they made it all the way to the Super Bowl and then get held to three points by Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It's, I think he's probably learned from that in terms of the playoffs, but I think this is a great recipe for establishing a decent seed and giving yourself a good chance once you get there. Because your average run in the middle that you play throughout the season, you can you can mostly do that. Teams only have a week to prepare for you. So you can set your game plan basically in stone and say, this is how we're going to do it. We don't really care if you know how we're going to do it because you can't figure out in a week how to stop mm -hmm. it. So yeah, yeah I mean, as long as he changes his, his approach when it comes to the real serious winning time, you know, when we get into the playoffs, I think it's a, a fine way to run your team for now and, and it will help them stack wins through the early parts of the season here. Yeah, because it was a, a down season last year after the the hot start they had in LA yeah. and it's good to see that they're, they've obviously bounced back from that. They, they, I bet they couldn't wait for the season to start to prove that they're still the Rams. Yeah, I would imagine so. And, you know, didn't really come up, but shout out Aaron Donald. Every every time we talk about the Rams, we have to mention him. He is unreal. I've talked about it too many times, so I'll leave it at that. But, my God. Amazing. Right. Uh, maybe the most hectic game of the week from me next in the Atlanta versus uh, Dallas game. Oh, man. Yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, so, where to start? Uh, <laughs> In, in the first quarter, the Falcons forced four fumbles, recovered three of them to go up 20 nothing after the first. Uh, thanks. Uh, the Cowboys had some injuries on the offensive line. Their much-touted offensive line, Lyle Collins and their all-pro Tyron Smith, were missing. And really, they were attacked uh, uh, on the line, and that's how they managed to force all those fumbles early in the game. Yep. Uh, at the start of the second, cow cow uh, second quarter, the Cowboys put together an impressive drive uh, to score through uh, Elliott. Uh, he had a few good runs in that game, especially on, uh, in that drive, especially on third downs. And then from there on out, the game just got crazy. <laughs> Huge games. Huge game for a rookie wide receiver, C.D. Lamb, uh, for Dallas, as well as uh, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. All three receivers caught a lot of passes. Uh, yeah important passes as well um, and so they, they were getting up and down the field and they actually outgained the Falcons in total yards even though they gave the ball away four times uh, were minus four in turnovers. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not easy to do especially because the Falcons early on were lighting them up. I mean they oh, yeah. 29 to 10 at halftime end up giving it away and losing 40 to 39 by the time all said and done. 
Yeah, and the Cowboys started to come back in the in the third quarter, but I'd say the turning point in this game was when uh, the Falcons had been in the Wildcat formation. Uh, they had previously in the game, and uh, they were in the Wildcat formation and did a run, and the Cowboys were in a cover zero formation. The Falcons have obviously seen this uh, and said, if we win that formation again, they've got a cover zero again, we're taking this shot. And so, so it happens, they uh, snap the ball to uh, their wide receiver, uh, Russell Gage, and he threw a perfect throw deep to Julio Jones, who was wide open running into the end zone, and he dropped it, which is so, unca- so uncharacteristic of Julio Jones. It's, it's, it's bad to sort of blame him for the loss in that it was just one play, but they really would have been out of reach after that. Yep. And then instead, the Falcons had to punt, and then Dak led three scoring drives in the fourth quarter. Uh, the final drive of the game uh, came after a successful onside kick, which for me was my favourite onside kick I've ever seen. He <laughs> just yeah, uh, the I ball mean, was just placed on the ground, and it just it, it did not look like it was going four yards, never mind ten. So you had uh, this it was weird just, situation where this onside kick at the end of the game, the Falcons can pick it up at any time as this ball is skidding across, the Cowboys have to wait for it to go 10 yards before they're allowed to pick it up. The Falcons can just pounce on it, but something yeah. about, I don't know if it was the spin of the ball, and they didn't want to, to put a hand on it because once they touch it, it's live for anybody. They were worried it would jump off their hand. The, the excuse they're trying to make now after the fact is that they didn't think there was any way it was going to go 10 yards. So the safest yeah, I, thing to do it, rather than try and pick it up and potentially knock it back towards the Cowboys, is to just wait for it to come to a stop and then just pick it up off the ground. I can kind of understand that, but I think really what happened is four or five guys from the Falcons had no idea what to do, um, mm. which really should go as a black mark against their uh, special teams coordinator, whoever he may be. Yeah, I did I did see that um, not going 10 yards because like, before it went five, I wasn't sure it was going five. It had this weird spin and it almost sped up the longer it was spinning along the ground. I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, you should still go and... Should still go and dive on that for sure. Yeah, uh, so yeah, they picked that up, that and then young CD Lamb uh, caught a big pass on the next play to get them on field goal range in the first play of the drive, and the rest is history. Greg yeah. the leg, straight Greg through. The leg. Cowboys managed. Cowboys managed to win, uh, going one and one after losing last week to the Rams. Uh, Dak Prescott was amazing in this game. Threw for over 400 yards, no touchdowns, led them up and down the field. My no interceptions in this game. No, no interceptions. Sorry, yeah, no interceptions. One yeah. touchdown. He ran. He ran for three touchdowns. Two That's sneaks. That's the surprising and, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Two sneaks and then uh, just like a sort of power to the left. It was uh, yeah, a great performance from him. And uh, the Cowboys' yeah, I mean, offense I, finally living up to a bit of that hype that it had going into the season. Yeah. So it, I'm very conflicted on this game and what we should learn from it and what we should think about the Cowboys going forwards because for one any time, and it doesn't matter who it's against or what the situation is, to come back in the manner that they did shows an excellent amount of composure and focus and kind of commitment to your team's plan. You know, nobody panicked. They just will keep doing yeah. what, we're, what, we're, what we've planned for, and it will result in our winning in the end, which turned out to be the case. However, the fact that they fell down by that much to begin with uh, is kind of terrifying. The fact that nobody could hold on to the ball, uh, they looked really uh, scattered in the first half and managed to bring it all back together. So I'm, I'm struggling to really know whether I should be disappointed that they didn't make easier work of it or just give them a good mark for... Uh, they didn't make it easy for themselves the in the first... They didn't make it easy for themselves in, in the first half. They 
as I said, fumbled the ball four times and lost three of them, but they also had two attempted fake punts from inside their own territory that didn't go off. So they were just giving possessions away for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And that's that's part of the reason why they did go down so far, I think. It's just, I mean, maybe one of those punts comes off in another game, but it really wasn't necessary uh, just because they were down a wee bit and they thought they could steal a possession, but it really did go against them. Uh, they face Seattle next week, so I'm sure that's how we'll be able to judge how, how they're going to be for the well, rest yeah, of the season. I think that's going to be very difficult for them, but we'll talk about that nearer the end. Um, and the Falcons get PTSD. Do you know, I was just going to say, uh, out with the context of the Super Bowl, the this game over the weekend is arguably a worse blowing of a game by the Falcons than... Uh, than even the 28 to 3 was. Obviously, in the Super Bowl, there's much higher stakes, bigger drama, so that will be the one that is remembered. But, I mean, late in the game, the Falcons had, according to every projection you can find, a 99.9% chance to win <laughs> the game. And they still found literally the only version of events in which they could lose. Yeah, uh, yeah the Falcons, it's got to be a painful to be a Falcons fan because it's that secondary I think is really their their main issue they just can't stop player uh, teams driving down on them like big That's chunk plays yeah yeah it's uh, it's a shame because their offense is putting up yards and points uh, yeah. towards the start of the season but that's what we predicted so that the Falcons would have a high powered offense but they just don't have the defense to back it up yeah I mean it was an all-time Matt Ryan special. 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, and a high-scoring, heartbreaking loss for the Falcons. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, that's, that's the Falcons' fans' way of life. I do not envy them. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, shall we move on? <laughs> Falcons it. fans will thank us. Uh, uh, let's, let's talk about what both of us picked uh, before the games actually happened as being our game of the week. Uh, and it turned out to be exactly correct as uh, the New England Patriots went into Seattle and played one of the better regular season games I can remember seeing in the last few yeah. years. It was intense. It was exciting from the jump. It was just like playoff football in September. Uh, I loved every second of it. The one thing that was wrong with this game is that if that stadium had been filled, it would have been rocking. Like, you know. need fans for a that, game like this. You shouldn't be missing games It was the first time like that. that I've really noticed it. Uh, the lack of fans. It was, yeah. it, my thoughts exactly echo yours. Th that place would have been crazy. Although I think it actually would have potentially made a big enough difference that the game wouldn't have been quite as good because yeah, it might have given Seattle enough of an edge to pull away uh, more than they did. Yep, definitely. But uh, so we'll start from the the start of that game. <laughs> uh, the... It's a very good place to start. Yeah, um, so basically the Seahawks threw a pick six on the very first drive. Uh, Wilson threw, a, Awful. threw threw an errant pass. and uh, Well, actually, it, if I'm not mistaken, it, it hit him right in, it hit his man right in the hands and then it kind of, he just dropped it and it bounced yeah. over his head. And So Wilson was almost perfect on the day, but his receiver let him down on that first drive. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't when after that pick uh, went 21 for 28, five touchdowns uh, to five different receivers, and obviously that one pick. Uh, so I, keeping up his MVP uh, race, uh, Cam Newton also had a great game. Uh, it's great to see him playing like this. 
great to see. Uh, the Patriots, I found with Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, I now can root for the Patriots and Tom Brady when with the two together, I could never root for them. Yeah, it's kind, well, of, it's kind of odd, isn't it? I haven't had nearly as much uh, hatred for either party. I'm the same as you. Yep, uh, so uh, with less than five minutes left, Russell Wilson threw his final touchdown pass to uh, put the Hawks up by 35 to 23, seemingly winning them the game. Uh, but Cam Newton took over in those last five minutes. On the next drive, he ran in his second touchdown of the night uh, and the defence held firm to force a three and out. So they had 80 yards to go uh, with uh, two minutes remaining, pretty much, a two-minute drill. Uh, the Patriots drove 80 yards downfield on the one-yard line. It's kind of a reverse of that Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl where the Seahawks had it on the one-yard line. Yeah, it uh, was, it was with, very with strange how it kind of mirrored uh, the way that played out. Yep, so Cam tries to run it in for his third touchdown of the night and uh, LJ Collier, uh, a second year player, uh, got through and absolutely levelled him uh, so that the Seahawks hold on to win 35-30. By a yard, no joke. By a yard. As, as, as time expired, they stopped them on the one-yard line. Uh, I mean, my first thought was going back to that Super Bowl, which is now five years ago, six, it was the 2014. Yep. That, that Malcolm Butler play that lives in infamy forever, making the interception on the goal line. It adds a little bit of juice to every Patriots-Seahawks yeah. matchup. There's Basically, no such thing as garbage time, time in a... Yeah, exa yeah, exactly. I mean, especially because both coaches are still there, Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick. You can tell both of them desperately want to win when they play in, the, in these matchups, which doesn't happen often, them being in, in opposite conferences. So this was a, a little... Yeah, I saw, I saw a quote from uh, Bill Belichick. He was like, yeah, they've got a good player at quarterback there. Glad we only have to play them once every four years. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair, fair enough, because it is a nightmare going against Russell Wilson right now. Uh, I mean, I thought almost everything he did was absolutely perfect. Now through two weeks of the season, he has 10 touchdown passes and only nine incompletions. I mean, it's just madness <laughs> the efficiency that he has, he has achieved. Uh, one of those incompletions, I will say, on that three and out where they stopped them and let the Patriots get themselves back in the game, was on a third and not very far to go. I can't remember off the top of my head. And he decides to go deep. I get it. He's got a, one of the most beautiful deep balls that you'll see anywhere in football. However, I maybe would have liked to, to just to see him just pick up the first there rather than going yeah, for it all. Yeah, because he did I, have his man. He did have his – the guy, there was a chance so, to make so that I catch. Can't, I can't really criticise him because if he if the guy makes that catch, if Russ puts it right in the bucket for him like he had so many times that night already, then he's a genius and he's a hero. And, you know, he was trying to win the game. So it's, it's no shade at him, but – yeah. I suppose looking back on it, you would have liked him to, for once, be yeah. a little more concerned. Game management, because if if you get three there, it's a, it's it's they need a two point conversion and a touchdown to win, whereas they could have lost the game right there, a touchdown to tie, whereas they could have yeah. just yeah. So I do see that game management maybe, but uh, yeah, they managed to hold on. I think but, it's great to see um, Cam Newton back and playing so well. He he was he I think it was Edelman's most receiving yards ever. Uh, for the Patriots, which is insane because uh, Tom Brady was at the Patriots with him for several years. And it would have been it would have been even more uh, yards for Edelman if it weren't for a couple of just crushing drops. This is the one thing about his yeah. game. He's a great receiver, but he's always had one or two bad drops a game. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah. Uh, Let I, me ask you, before we move on from this game, 
because there's a lot of debate happening. What did you think of in the moment of the last play in terms of the call? So they run a they run a kind of power formation. They bring the fullback in, uh, and they just cams in the shotgun, fullback to his left, and they just snap it to cam. He takes a second to kind of look where the gaps are going to be, and he's supposed to follow his fullback going to the left. Fullback gets blown up, as you correctly said, and uh, give me the guy's name. L.J. Collier. L.J. Collier blows up the fullback and then makes the tackle on Cam. It's a yeah, great it was play. a crazy play. How, uh, people are now criticizing uh, Belichick for kind of going back to the well one too many times. Cam actually said that after the game. That was his wording. Maybe we went, mm. to, maybe went to the well one too many times. Uh, yep. Meaning he had already scored two touchdowns in the game in that, from, from course, that exact yeah. same play. Uh, however, what I'll say is, unless Collier takes out the fullback and makes the tackle on Cam at exactly the same time, Cam walks into the end zone, really. The fullback yeah. had been great all night. I'm forgetting his name. He'd, he'd had a great game. So I think you take that. In a, if you have the chance to give him a one-on-one to kind of run in the touchdown, yeah, I don't think it many- was a terrible call. No, how, no, I can't slate Pete Carroll for throwing the ball uh, at, on the one-yard line in that Super Bowl uh, and throwing an interception when they'd been running yep. the ball so well all game. The Patriots have been running the well all game. Cam down in the red zone has been running the ball in. I think it's a good call. I think, yes, the Seahawks probably predicted that was coming, but they still had to stop it. I think, I, I think they could easily have incompleted a pass or like the running back might not have made it through. I think, yeah, it's a good yeah. call. It's shown that it works against that defense. So, yeah, it was just a crazy play by Collier. He's, I've never heard of him before. He's like a second-year guy, awesome. but that was, Brilliant play. was insane. Yeah, I mean, you're right in saying they knew it was coming, but they still had to go out and make the play, which I think is a, you're still giving yourself a good chance if you're the Patriots. Because ultimately, I mean, there was a chance. There's a still shot, and stills can be a little misleading if you look at like a, a freeze frame kind of halfway through the play it looks a lot easier than it is in real time. But even after the fullback gets taken out, if Cam decides he kind of turns and runs inside of the fullback to try and turn it upfield and get to the end zone, there was no one on the outside of Collier. So if he goes around the fullback the other way, he might have walked in straight to the, you know, at that point you've just got a race to the pylon, which I take Cam in that every single time. Uh, So he, he might have missed a small opportunity to have one of the defining moments of his career. But I'm not going to slate him too badly for, you know, I'm talking about, I have the benefit of hindsight going yeah, and looking at it's, frozen it's mill- Milliseconds he has to make that, yeah, milliseconds he has to make that decision. And That came uh, ended up coming across as a criticism of him. What I actually meant by bringing it up is, even though that isn't the way it turned out, that play had a chance in several different ways. So I, I don't yeah. think you can slam them for the, the play call. The call. No, no, I don't think so either. Uh. Yeah, a great game there. Again, missing the fans, uh, especially. Instant, instant classic. Instant classic. Best game of the year so far. Uh, we've now, I'm going to talk about uh, the Buccaneers uh, going against the Panthers. Uh, oh, yeah, I, I only saw highlights of this game, so you can okay. tell I'll, me. I'll fill, I'll fill you in. Uh, Carolina were messy in this one. Uh, the Bucks went three and out to start the game. Uh, great uh, defense from uh, Carolina. Panthers drove right down to the Tampa Bay 25-yard line, easily moving the ball where Bridgewater threw a bad pick on a screen pass. Uh, the next drive ended in a Ronald Jones touchdown. Uh, but the only reason they got a touchdown, uh, Tampa Bay, in that one is because they were on fourth and five. They tackled the guy for a loss, and then he's on the ground, he's down, and then they hit him, get a five-yard penalty, yeah. and then he sets up a first and goal. 
So it uh, really helped to that first touchdown. So uh, Carolina not helping themselves out there either. Nope. Uh, the, the next drive, Bridgewater fumbled the snap on the second play of the drive, setting up Brady in good field position uh, to pass it to Evans for a touchdown on the very next play. Uh, the Buccaneers got another score in the second uh, after Carolina failed a fake punt attempt. Are you seeing the theme here? Uh, 21-0 <laughs> to Tampa Bay, all of which somewhat Carolina's fault. Um, in the fourth, the Panthers did pull within seven uh, after Brady threw a quite a bad pick. They stopped the Bucs uh, and were driving, but another interception by Teddy put the game to bed. It was four turnovers for the Panthers plus that fake punt, and they just didn't really have a chance. Uh, only 31-17 to the Buccaneers. Buccaneers kind of flattered by that scoreline, I would say. They, they didn't do much for themselves. They got a bit lucky, I thought. Uh, Fournette had a huge game. If uh, I think running the ball is the Buccaneers' strength right now. If Brady can develop some more chemistry with the receivers, I think they can improve week on week. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. I mean, Brady, even in his prime, has always been at his... Any quarterback is at his best in an offense that has the ability to run the football. It just gives the the defense and particularly the pass rush, something else to think about. You know, they can't just go guns blazing charging after you because they have to uh, respect the fact that you might just hand it off and then they'll they'll be on their heels. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. Fournette could prove to be a big pickup for them. Yeah, uh, he, they've had big games from both of their backs in that game. Uh, Fournette had over 100 yards and two scores. Uh, a couple of like breakaway runs as well, like 25 yarders. He was He was looking good. Um, yeah, that's all I really had to say about that game. It's, it's one that got away for Carolina. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey went off injured, uh, supposedly a yeah, high ankle, ankle sprain, uh, which is a huge He's not them. alone. There was a lot of injuries this week. We are going to talk about them when we get to the end of this. But, yeah, that doesn't help when your your main source of offense goes out, uh, what was it, late in the first half, I think? Yeah, yeah, just before yeah. halftime. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty rough for the Panthers. I mean, the other thing is their their defense is in trouble, man. They have zero sacks through two games. Mm -hmm. uh, they just can't they can't form any kind of pressure at this point. Yeah, Brady did have a lot a, a lot of time throughout this, game. and he threw a couple of nice passes. I don't think I, I don't think his arms finished, but I just think he's not really got into first gear uh, into fourth gear yet uh, during this. He's still he's still still trying to find his feet in this Tampa Bay offense. But uh, I. I don't think anyone's going to beat Tampa Bay without a fight. That's, that's what I'll say. I think that's probably true, yeah. Uh, who do you have next? Uh, let's jump around a little bit. I'm going to go through just quickly because I don't think it's worth uh, spending too much time on. But the uh, Lions at Packers turned out to be an interesting game as the uh, NFC North often does turn out uh, interesting contests. Yeah, yeah. The Lions jumped out to a 14-3 to lead. Uh, but then over the course of the second and third quarter, were outscored 31-0 to zero by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Just They blew the game open, uh, ends up 42-21 to 21, uh, in favour of the Pack. Basically, the reason I wanted to mention this is Aaron and Aaron are a serious combo for that team. Aaron Jones, the running back, yeah. is now leading the league in, in rushing. Uh, he led the team in rushing and receiving on the day and had four touchdowns between those two uh, mediums combined. Uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't have to do too much because Jones was going so crazy all over the place, but he had a very, what I would call a very clean uh, 240 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, just did everything that he uh, could be asked to do without having to do too much, which is his the sweet spot for any quarterback. Really. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and lastly, the Lions just looked 
utterly lost again. Uh, they mm. fall now under Matt Patricia, their head coach, to nine twenty four and one. Uh, all I, yeah. all, my final note on that, I just have written. I wrote this a couple of days ago, so I forgot that was in there. I've just written Stafford deserves better. <laughs> I can't really <laughs> yes. remember that I wrote that, but it it is true. I mean, it it's so sad. He's a very talented QB, uh, and is that not the case for year, all talented Lions players <laughs> in my lifetime? Uh, I remember and, Cal- and Calvin Johnson it, Jr. Going yeah, and back before, to Barry, Barry Sanders, Sanders a classic yeah. example. Yeah, it says it's where uh, careers go to die. Well, not die, but just never but win they they anything. Started, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrendous, uh, and and honestly, they deserve so much more. Um, but it's just once again, we're two weeks into the season, and it's they're done. It's over for them. Yep, yep. The Lions. Uh, well, it was over. Uh, it, they weren't predicted to do too great, especially in that division. But no, uh, I don't think, don't think there's much, much hope for the Lions. Not, not at all. Um, <laughs> That's all I had on that one. Uh, so, so. Just all right. Let's talk quick. about uh, the Monday night, uh, Monday night game, Raiders Saints, which was, that. which was a great game. Uh, Very and entertaining game. I will reveal that it was an upset. The Raiders managed to knock off the Saints in their first game in their new stadium the, uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, Derek Carr uh, was excellent. Uh, the Saints actually went up to 10-0 lead in the first quarter. Uh, uh, Raiders started with a couple of punts, but I, I, after then they couldn't really be stopped. Carr threw 14 for 28 for 139 and two scores in the second quarter. Uh, yeah, once, and Once they got rolling, it was a sight to see. I mean, first of all, It'll be different once you get some fans in there, but I've got to say that new stadium's pretty cool. Uh, that oh, all, yeah. kind of all black everything kind of look. Yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, they they did a great job in their their first game, the first ever NFL game in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, a new new Las Vegas team uh, get out to uh, a good start uh, to the season. Uh, I think I the Saints look like they suffered without Michael Thomas. Uh, they're going to be without him for a few weeks, it looks like, so hopefully they can figure it out. Otherwise, this could get out of control quite quickly. Um, as you say, after after a 10 nothing start, it, the offense really stalled. They ended the game with 24 points overall, so only 14 uh, after that hot start. Yep. Uh, Breeze just looks like he can't force it down the field. He hasn't uh, really made any attempt at a deep throw. Uh, he had one to a wide open Jared Cook in week one, uh, which yep. had in the stats in that regard. But to, to me, it doesn't look like he can really do it or, or wants to do it reliably. And it's allowing, you could see over the course of the game, the Raiders defense just came further and further forwards. Uh, yep. They're not putting up a lot of sacks, but I actually thought they got pressure at a relatively decent rate in that game. Breeze is just so skilled at getting the ball out before you actually take him down. So the, the lack of sacks looks bad for the Raiders, but the pressure rate is actually pretty high. Yep. Uh, on the other side, the car to Waller connection uh, was incredible in this game, especially during yeah. that where they where they first came back in that second quarter. Uh, those two drives for those two scores were just uh, he caught so many big passes and third downs. I think they were ten of seventeen on third downs during the game and also converted two fourth downs. So awesome. they they won the time of possession battle by a good eight minutes. Uh, they kept the Saints off the field, which was which was huge, which let them. Like rack up those points because the defense was just on the field far too long. Darren Waller, by the way, the tight end, second in the league in receiving through the yeah. through two weeks. It's it's awesome. Uh, they've got quite a quite a connection is is the exact word. 
They just have, there's an understanding between those two guys because they, they make it happen. I was also impressed with Josh Jacobs. I'll be honest and say I didn't watch that much Raiders football last year. So I know he won Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had over a thousand yards. I just kind of assumed, oh, that's good. You know, another good back. I was actually really impressed with him. He didn't reach 100 in this game. He had 88 yards. Uh, yeah. but especially at the end, I thought when they were churning out the first downs to, to kill the game. Very impressive. Very hard to take down. Uh, quite a, a promising young back for sure. Oh, definitely. And with with Carr sort of like regaining his form, everything I've heard about him, he's fully committed to the Raiders. I feel like he's going to be a Raider for a long time. Uh, he's going to be their franchise quarterback. They've stuck by him for some tough times. Yeah. And like he hopes he can repay them by getting back to his form uh, the first couple of years he was there. And well, it looks I, like so. it I think he's great for them, really. And, and Gruden has been great for him since he's come in. Uh, and he seems to think he's his guy. So hopefully it's a partnership for a long time still. Uh, on the subject, yep. by the way, of uh, of John Gruden, who we should, I mean, a maniac, but an excellent coach as well. Uh, yes. I, I couldn't help but know, I mean, the term crazy like a fox comes to mind. <laughs> he seems like, I, he's such an aggressive play caller, but it almost, it seems to work out in his favor more often than not. The The big example that comes to mind to me is the Saints nearly got back into the game as uh, their, their other running back, Richard, fumbled uh, in a key moment and gave the ball back to the Saints in the fourth. Uh, this yeah, was on yeah. a, a pitch play coming to the right. So he, Carr takes the snap. And rather than just handing it off, he throws it about three yards or so to his right to Richard, who's waiting for it, who just totally, you see it every week in the NFL, started running before he'd finished catching the ball, basically. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Because it was a backwards pass, that all ends up counting as a fumble and the Saints recovered it. Uh, so the reason that I bring this up is that the Raiders then managed to get the stop, which is pretty impressive. And Gruden comes down on the very next series, runs the same play to the same back and it ends up going like 20 yards, yards for a touchdown or whatever. Yeah, yeah I'm exaggerating. It's 20-odd yards. Yeah, 20-odd uh, yard touchdown. But I just uh, thought that was genius because surely the Saints are looking at that formation going, this looks kind of like that pitch play, but there's no way they're running that to him again after what he yeah. just did. Awesome. Gave the guy a chance to redeem himself. Confidence goes sky high for him. Ice is the game for the team. A perfect storm uh, in terms of the play call for Gruden. Yeah, definitely. I think I think that is good. See, when you get the same look uh, twice from the same team in the game, and they sort of it clearly maybe it wasn't in the game plan in that situation to go for that play, yeah. and then they they make like reads off the cuff. I think that that is the telling of a good coach and a coach who like a situational play caller. It's Very definitely cool. a good good type of coach to have. Uh, last thing I was just going to mention, uh, we talked about him in our. Uh, offensive rookie of the year discussions is kind of a long shot. Henry Ruggs, the speedster wide receiver for, for the Raiders, they kind of shocked everybody by making Ruggs the first wide receiver off the board in this year's draft. He was ranked yep. as kind of the third or fourth in that position. Uh, but they, they decided he was their guy and they went for him. I noticed he drew, I, I haven't written down the context of when this was, but he drew a pass interference call on Janoris Jenkins uh, on a third and long situation just by streaking yep. down the field and Janoris is hanging on for dear life and the only reason I bring it up is I knew he was quick you see a guy's 40 time and that you think that's kind of different than doing it in a game too fast for Janoris Jenkins is damn it's fast. very fast 
So yeah. I, I was impressed with that. I, the, the commentators were saying it like throughout the first like the first half, uh, they were like, Ruggs is gonna get a deep ball very very soon because he keeps just outrunning all the cornerbacks. He was every time he just goes on a streak and you just can't keep up with him. So eventually, Carr's gonna throw it to him. Even when it was just like a a run to the left. You kind of look down the field, and by the time the guy's been tackled, Ruggs is a good five yards clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's awesome, man. He's, no, I mean, speed he's... isn't everything. We've seen a lot of guys come in that were speedsters that kind of rested on that too much and didn't develop the, their other skills. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be that way, but it's really too soon to tell. But a promising yeah. start for him anyway. Worrisome last week when he went off injured after catching a big touchdown pass, so it's good that he yeah. managed to play this week because you don't want a rookie to get into that promising start well hopefully not I mean you worry about that with guys that fast that their hamstrings just like get left behind while they're yeah. running down the field yep definitely uh, so any more games you wanted to touch on or shall we move on to our player of the week uh, we've been doing this a long time so I, I won't hit it for too long but just wanted to talk quickly about the overtime uh, Chiefs oh, yes. and Chargers yes. matchup uh, which ended up 23-20 to 20 in favour of the Chiefs the Chargers really controlled this game from start to almost finish, which yeah. is remarkable given the fact that their rookie, their sixth overall pick, Justin Herbert, uh, was starting at quarterback for Tyrod Taylor with about, apparent, according to reports, about 10 minutes notice. Yeah. <laughs> they found yeah. out that Tyrod wasn't able to go, so they go, hey, hey, uh, Justin, you're making your first start uh, right now, and oh, by the way, it's against the Super Bowl champions. Herbert's a big laddie, by the way. He's like six foot six. That's six the first six, thing I, first thing I noticed. Odds, I don't know what. Yeah. He's a hefty guy. There was a couple of times he made plays with his legs that uh, as he gets taken down by a linebacker or whatever, the <laughs> linebacker ends up limping off the field, which you don't see often. Uh, the, the sad thing for him really is, I mean, he would have been a legend immediately if he'd come in in that situation with no notice, started his first game and beat the Chiefs. The sad yes. thing for him is the play that everyone will remember is basically the only mistake he made in the entire game, which is that he's yep. rolling to his left at one point late in the game, just on a third down, nothing but grass in front of him could have picked up the, the first down and another 10 yards and then stepped out of bounds easily. He throws it back across his body. He thought he saw a chance to win the game, goes for, goes for it all, throws it down the field to whichever receiver was in the area, I can't remember, and ends up getting picked off. Let's the Chiefs mm. come back down, kick the game, tying field goal. Uh, Send it to overtime. Ends up going to overtime. Uh, and the Chiefs, it seems unfair, really, that the two best teams in football at this point, the Chiefs and the Ravens, also get to have the two best kickers. Because, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the, those two teams in a bit, I'm sure. But at the end of this game in overtime, Harrison Butker, the kicker for the Chiefs, essentially made the game-winning field goal three times by the time it was all said and done. It started out at 53 yards. He made it, but there was a false start, so they moved it back to 58. He made it again, but there was a timeout called by the Chargers just before the snap. So then he has to kick it a third time, and it was more accurate than it, the previous two. It went right down the middle. Incredible performance from him. Incredible faith by Andy Reid that he was going to make it happen, because if he misses that, the Chargers only need to pick up about 10 yards to yeah. be a game winner themselves. Uh so, I mean, just awesome. And it seems unfair that they should have such a weapon on top of everything else they have. Yeah, the Chargers look like they're a dark horse this year, though. They they really do look like they can punish some teams. They surprise uh, me. Their defense has played extremely well, especially since they lost Derwin James kind of on the eve of the season, who's mm. by far their best defender, just a versatile Swiss Army knife type 
safety that can really play any of the back seven or so positions on a defense yeah. at any given time. Uh, I thought this, they were actually featured, the Chargers were featured on Hard Knocks this year, and one of his teammates said of Derwin James that he would definitely be his pick. It's an interesting concept. He was talking about if you had to pick one player in the league and you're and you're going to have a team that was entirely just that player. As if <laughs> you have 22 copies of Derwin James playing every position. He says he that's the guy I would go with because he could play any position on the field at any given time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would I would go with that. I think it's a great it's a great way to to kind of encompass how multi talented this guy is. And unfortunately, yeah. I don't know if we're going to see him at all this season. But if we do, it won't be for a very long time. Yep, definitely, definitely. Uh, I I will talk about the Ravens later when we go on to talk about next week's games. It was a blowout, so I don't feel that like we need to delve into it too quickly. So shall yeah. we move on? Uh, who was your player of the week for this week, Tom? I gotta say, man. We're looking better and better every week here because my player of the week this week is the same as it was last week. It's Russell Wilson for me. Mm-hmm. I think he's easily the MVP through two two weeks of the season. Uh, as we've already mentioned, five touchdowns, five different receivers, huge win on Sunday night football over uh, the kind of a great organized team in the Patriots and also just the ghosts of his past, uh, which yeah. seems like a big thing. Um on top of that, I mean, even the one pick that he threw in that game, as we mentioned, er- it was early on, and really he hit the receiver square in the hands. It, the, yeah. it was just a drop that went up in the air. So he can't be blamed for that either. It, it was nearly a perfect outing for him if that hadn't happened. Yep. Well, this week I'm giving some love to Dak Prescott. Uh, yeah, man. Completed 72% of his passes, and there were a lot of them. Uh, one touchdown, uh, one interception, obviously. Three rushing touchdowns, a massive comeback, over 400 yards. Yeah. Uh, and he really was not for losing. He just willed that team to that comeback. So, yeah, I'm giving Dak Prescott this week. He really impressed me. It takes a real strength of character uh, as a quarterback to keep your team focused and, and stay in a game like that and just bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. Uh, I thought it was really impressive, and it showed how much the guys in that locker room think of Dak. Yep. So i got to say, man, I'm I'm not the biggest Dak fan over – I think he's great. I'm not saying anything negative against him. Uh, but I just don't know if he can ever step into that upper tier of quarterbacks, which is the same kind of group of guys that he wants to be paid like. Uh, yeah. But based on his performance uh, at the weekend there, both for what he did on the field and what I'm saying about keeping the team, uh, keeping their attention and demanding their their respect, Jerry, you got to open your checkbook, my guy, because... Oh, I don't think they could move, like, realistically move on from him. I don't think no you can way. take a gamble that someone can replace him and be as good. So, I yeah, think I think... I think he's established himself enough in that locker room. It's one of those funny situations where... Not that, not that there's someone out there that they could just plug in, but in an imaginary yeah. scenario, even if you replaced him with someone better than him, they might get worse. Just because yeah. the, the Cowboys seem to lean on him so much and, and think so much of him. Yeah, he's got multiple winning seasons so far, and I think, like you say, he's maybe not got like the arm talent and like the flashiness of those uh, quarterbacks that are perceived to be above him. But he is a winner. He's a fighter, and I do think uh, he's a quarterback who I wouldn't mind having on my team. I think he's just, but he needs that team around him. He's not gonna light it up every week, but when in special situations where you need them to go down and score or you need them to get in field goal range, I mean, he yep. can do it. Yeah, man. Uh... 
So okay, you wanted think... to ask me, you asked me a question before we, we started the pod. Um, I did, to yeah. Know... I want to know your most surprising 2-0 and o and your most surprising 0-2. And, and I have mine as well. Right, my most surprising 2-0 and o is the Chicago Bears. I oh, yeah. thoroughly thought the Chicago Bears were going to have a terrible season. Uh, they've managed to come out and uh, win the first two and mostly off the back of their defense, quite low scoring games. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just didn't think... given their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I thought they wouldn't have won these two games, their quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I just really... Because 2-0 teams, something like... I read us this, like, 64% of 2-0 teams have made the playoffs in the past X number of years. Really? Uh, so, if that's the, if that's true of the Bears, I'll be extremely surprised. But, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I can't see them keeping this up, but... I mean, it's an it's an awesome start, and if I was a Bears fan, I would almost be disappointed because I feel like Trubisky's done just enough to trick them into thinking maybe this is our guy. We're gonna have to go through a yeah. whole other year. <laughs> We're gonna have to do this all again. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like Trubisky does that all the time. Just when you're like, right, he's not the guy, and he'll put a couple of wins together yep. and then ruin, yep. ruin your team for the next couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah. So who did you have as your most surprising two and all? Uh, well, I don't think that this is certainly not more surprising than the Bears, but I'll just so I'll just say this is kind of a kind of a caveat, but this is more uh, the means by which they have got to two and zero. I've got the Cardinals down now. I have to fess up here. The only reason I'm surprised at this is that I was totally wrong. We said in our first podcast we talked about him as potential MVP for Kyler Murray. I had him in my offensive player of the year group. And my reasoning for that was I didn't think that he could, I thought he would have the, basically the same season he's having now, but that it wouldn't result in enough wins for him to get the MVP. I was yeah. totally wrong. That guy makes winning plays. Yeah. He does like four things a game that are absolutely incredible. He did some very Lamar Jackson-y things in that week two game. Yeah, uh, I'm just remembering one 25-yard run. He's got that about him, that X factor where you once he's got the ball in his hands, you don't really know what's going to happen. He's especially if the three happy last making it happen with seconds. his arm, with his legs. He doesn't care. Uh, the and other Hopkins thing is, has been huge for them as well. Which well, we knew Hopkins would be. is making the Texans look like idiots on a weekly yes. basis now. I mean, he's leading the league in receptions with 22. He's fifth in yardage for all that. He's got 219. He's the perfect target for a guy like Kyler Murray, as we had predicted he would be. Mm-hmm. And also the perfect number one for the talent pool that they have, including giving uh, the legend Larry Fitzgerald something to play off of in his, uh, possibly his last season. He's 37 now. Although yep. if they keep it rolling like this, he might be tempted to come back again. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was discussing this uh, with uh, Cameron, another NFL fan that we both know uh, the other day. And it's just like in 2008, when the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl, Fitzgerald was their best receiver. Last year, Fitzgerald is their best receiver. It's awesome, man. I remember that Super Bowl well, and I remember the abject terror that he was putting in our hearts as we were cheering yeah. on the Steelers in that game. And he's just uh, been plugging away and mostly losing teams ever since then, but just consistently a great wide receiver. I think he's still doing it. I mean, he's already got 11 catches on the year, which puts him in the kind of top 20-ish range of receptions. I mean, he's seriously putting in work. And the other reason I have them on my kind of most surprising is the fact that for all we've just talked about their offense, they're really doing this with defense as well. I mean, they're third in the league in sacks. Uh, Chandler Jones is reminding everybody why he is one of the most dominant pass rushers in the sport. Uh, he's been perfect 
terminology for it. He's been plugging away on losing teams for quite a while. Uh, but, I mean, he is awesome. He leads the entire league in uh, sacks per game since the beginning of his career. He averages just a, a hair under bang on one a game. So that's basically 16 a season every season. Uh, and he's on track for that again this year. Um, and then Buda Baker, their safety in the back, has been awesome. He's been yep. directing traffic out there. He's leading the team in tackles with 20, which is not easy to do from the safety position. He's playing it in the run game. He's covering up their, the other team's best receivers and tight ends more often than not. Yeah, I've been very yep. impressed with both I, sides I, of the ball, which is why I've been why I have them here in my uh, most surprising. Even though I think we both thought they were going to be pretty exciting, which they have been, I didn't yep. expect them to win games in the fashion that they have. Yep, no, I know. I, I definitely agree with that. Now, as for the 0-2 teams, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, you, see it, you see it everywhere when people are talking about the Eagles, like pound for pound, talent-wise, one of the best rosters in the NFL have been for a few years. Yep. Um, they just... And especially because they had Washington in the first game, it's so surprising that they're 0-2. Uh, that defense, which is like a plethora of first-round picks across that yep. defense, almost at every position. They're stocked and, with talent. Yeah, and then they gave up so many points late on against Washington, and then they just couldn't even do anything against the Rams. It's like it's not. It's the manner in which they've been beat as well has been has been really surprising. Like you think, fair enough, that the Eagles had a tough couple of games at the start of the season and lost close games, but they didn't score in the fourth quarter against Washington, and they got blown out by the Rams. It's just been. If I was an Eagles fan, I'd be wanting a new head coach. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, I, I don't have them. They were one between my, uh, they were my last two. So I'm glad that you picked them because then we can talk about both. Uh, mm -hmm. But just on the on the Eagles, it's incredible to me that I wish I could gloat because in our over unders podcast, one of our major disagreements was me taking the under on the Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could go and say I'm right, but I'm, I'm not right because what I said then was the only reason I'm taking the under is because I don't trust that Carson Wentz can stay healthy. But yeah. at this point, he's completely healthy and they're a mess. So yeah. I, I wouldn't have thought there was any chance that with him being healthy, they would get off to a start like this. So I can't even yeah. I can't even claim that I was I'm a genius. That you predicted him to be terrible, or well, not him, but the whole team to be terrible. I mean, I watched. Wins. I watched. We're getting into deep nerd stuff now, but I watched a whole breakdown on his first two games and things like even when he has good protection, his stance has just completely changed when he's throwing the ball. He's setting his feet incredibly wide, and it's making the ball just sail on him every time he's, mm. he's missing receivers all over the place. It's very strange. He has some stuff to figure out before they, that team can put any kind of run together. Yeah, definitely. So who, did, who was more surprising than the Eagles then? Uh, well, mostly just because I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> I I thought the Vikings were going to be really good this season. Yeah. I, I thought they had the pieces. I thought they had the coaches. I thought they had the continuity ac across the organization, which I've really been leaning on heavily. And I think has been proven mostly to be the right way of looking at this season. But the Vikings look as if they've never met. It's really bizarre. Their offensive line, which was a strength for them the last couple of seasons, is getting thrown all over the place. Kirk Cousins looks like he'd rather throw anybody on the planet other than his own receivers yeah he seems to only trust adam thielen which is fair yeah. enough he's their best receiver but he won't put the ball anywhere else which i guess does make sense because i discovered this week that kirk cousins dad is a maniacal racist fire and brimstone preacher so ah. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> that that's why sense. he only throws it to adam thielen but 
<laughs> Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't believe the way this has gone. The defense is a mess. I thought Mike Zimmer was an outside shout for coach of the year when this team got things going. Yeah. I, I like his odds better for first coach to be fired at this point. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, I, I, I think the Vikings as well, as we discussed, we had them right on Green Bay's heels in yeah. that division. Uh, and they're nowhere near the standard that Green Bay's been able to put out on the field. Uh, Nothing like and, it. As we said, Chicago are 2-0, so like, they, their, their season is quickly getting away from them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I was excited for them. I, I, it's so stupid, because nobody hates Kirk Cousins more than me, so I don't know why I said any of this. <laughs> I should have known that he was terrible. Uh, I was excited for bringing in Gary Kubiak to be their offensive coordinator. He doesn't look like he has any idea what's going on out there at this point, to be honest. Uh, I mean, my last thought on the Vikings is Stefan Diggs must be even better than we think he is. If he was doing so much for them, that once, yeah. now that he's left, it's falling <laughs> apart to this degree. He must be laughing his ass off sitting up there in Buffalo right now. Yeah, well, Buffalo are 2-0, so <laughs> he's made a good call. Uh, you would have thought maybe it's a down down move for him, but yeah, Buffalo Buffalo two and zero and Vikings one two. And by the way, his quarterback is leading the league in passing. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, uh, so. I've just I've been very disappointed. Uh, I mean, the D for the, for Minnesota is usually a big strength. Granted, they're banged up, and they will be getting some guys back over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they, but they only have two sacks through these first two games. They have played two very good offensive lines in, in Green Bay and then Indianapolis there. Mm. Uh, at the weekend but as you, you're exactly right in saying it's getting away from them rapidly yeah. i yeah, think they'll can't... get better for all i'm raving against them and they will get better over the next few weeks as they start getting pieces back but it might be too late by then to be honest as you say you can't you can't make the playoffs in the first few weeks but you sure can miss them absolutely <laughs> correct it's, it comes up every year and it is such a true expression yeah, uh, so we mentioned earlier there's been a lot of injuries in week two. As much as we've talked about how great the oh, games have man. been this week, uh, the terrible part of the game it is... Uh, it was almost every five minutes a star player was going down. I have them all here, or at least all the, the notable names. Uh, yeah, you just want to rattle them off. If that's disrespectful, there were several other players injured and that <laughs> affects their, their careers greatly, but there's so many that we can only really sift through the big names. I'm going to yeah. start with, and I have another separate list, but I'm going to start with just the guys that were lost for the entire season over the oh. weekend. We have Cortland Sutton, the star wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, yeah. tears his ACL uh, on a turnover, actually. This was against the Steelers. Um, it was after an interception, he's running back, trying to get back into the play to make the tackle. So it wasn't even while he was running a route or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he goes down hard, torn ACL, he's done. Nick Bosa, Defensive Player of the Year uh, candidate for uh, San Francisco, their best pass rusher by far and one of the best in the league, torn ACL, uh, playing against the Jets out for the in, season. in New York, out for the season. While they are still carting him off the field, their next best pass rusher, Solomon Thomas, suffered the exact same injury. Uh, yep. Left ACL tear, literally on the same possession uh, as you could still see Nick Bosa sitting on the back of the cart heading for the tunnel. His, his biggest uh, kind of running mate goes down as well. They've now brought in Ziggy Ansah, by the way. They signed him as a free agent to try and, oh, yeah. and shore things up a bit. Uh, had... I don't really know what happened to him. Came into the league a few years ago at the tail end of the Indamaking Sioux run in Detroit and yeah. played as a rookie alongside him there with the Lions. Had a great season and then has kind of bounced around the last couple of years and ended up not getting brought on by anybody. So 
he's a player who's shown flashes and could be good for them, but there must be a reason he wasn't on a roster to begin with. The Niners were hit more than any other team by the injury oh, bug this week uh, during that game. Still came out with the W, but it was it's not good. It doesn't bode well for the rest Hold of the on. season. If you thought I was done reading out names of guys that are gone for the I'm season, not. <laughs> I, I'm I know. not. We have Saquon Barkley, which is my most devastating one of the weekend. Yeah. I love him. I think he's one of the most talented young players that has come into the league in a long time. The Giants running back, uh, torn, torn ACL. And as I said to you at the time, uh, the thing that worries me about that is his skill set and the thing that makes him great is exactly the kind of player that cannot come back from an ACL and be as good as they were. He seems like an awesome guy, a hard worker, so I'm sure he will get back and play well in the NFL. But there's going to be something missing, I think, possibly forever with him, uh, which is yeah, really a shame. Yeah, definitely. Is Barkley's one of those players that you just want him to be to be on the field. He's so exciting, uh, yeah. and that New York team's just going to miss him so much. They're going to drop to the basement without Saquon, I'm afraid. It's going to yeah, be... no, I don't see how you can replace him. To me, at this point, the two New York teams are potentially the worst in the league. Uh, yeah. We also have Paris Campbell, wide receiver for the uh, Colts going down. And that brings us to the end of the torn ACL that we suffered over the weekend. Not season enders, but that's all <laughs> torn ACLs. Uh, of the same team, so the Colts are hit hard here. They lose a contributor on both sides of the ball. Malik Hooker, their safety... Uh, yeah. tore his Achilles, he's done for the year uh, and Tavon Young which is not a name that might jump out to everyone but he's a great young uh, cornerback for the Ravens who plays that slot position for them missed all of last season with a neck injury looked great through a game and a half this year uh, and now he's gone as well uh, with a let me just get that right for you with a knee, it's, un, it's unspecified as yet but it's probably an ACL or something like that yeah because they've already said it's a season ender. Uh, so, I mean, it's just awful. Absolutely yeah. horrendous. Uh, I've never known uh, a weekend in the NFL to be so littered with, as you say, big name players. Yeah. Uh, that are just, that's it. You just, they're done. You, no chance of that, any of those guys playing again this season. Yeah, ACL injuries are are so horrible across almost all sports. They they're one of those injuries that even when you can be out for a year or two years, and even when you do come back, there's the chance of re-injury and there's the chance that your knee will just never be as strong again. Yeah. So it's 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 really really tough for all. I mean, all those you, ha- teams you have to think players. that this is a byproduct of the lack of a preseason. These guys aren't quite in the shape that you would expect them to be and especially not up to the speed of live NFL play um, yeah it's hard to criticize I mean I don't really see what the league could have done it's not they've they've gone about it in the safest possible way around this whole pandemic that we're in at the moment but these guys are suffering the consequences and, and for these big name players that we're talking about they're probably going to be fine because if you put your name on the map so strongly, you will always make money in the NFL no matter what happens to you. But yeah. for every one of those guys I just named, there's another guy. Zach Banner comes to mind just because he's a stealer, so I'm more aware of it. But there will be guys yeah. like that from every team, torn ACL, uh, torn Achilles, whatever the case may be. But that's just it. They don't really get a chance to get yeah. back in because as soon as that happens, they need to get you off the books and get someone healthy in to fill your spot. Yep. Um, a couple of people injured, not quite so severely, but also big names and starting quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, yeah. We had obviously we mentioned McCaffrey briefly. He's has a high ankle sprain, could be out for a few weeks. 
Uh, but also there has been the tendency for players to return after a high ankle sprain and then re-injure themselves more. I'm pretty yeah. sure o Odell Beckham had a high ankle sprain, came back a bit too early, and then that's when his lengthy injury came. And yeah, I think his yards, per, his yards per game have dropped by 20 since that injury. So it's just when can you bring back McCaffrey? Like, you, you got... me is McCaffrey already has put out a statement saying, you know, they say four to six weeks. I take that as a challenge to come back sooner than yeah. that or whatever. There's, that's such a stupid way to go about these things. I think if I know. Panthers, this season's going nowhere. Set him, rest him until he's completely right, and then yeah, that's 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 what I think because a lot of players. Like, and Ben Roethlisberger's played with uh, him by coming back off the same injury. He threw like three interceptions in the first game. It's like yeah. trying to come back when you're not 100 percent is not the best thing for you or your team. So yeah. I think and I mean, the Panthers I think, have to try and keep McCaffrey realistic on which week he can play. In. Carolina are going to end the season with a high draft pick, lots of cap space, and their future ahead of them and the last thing you want is to be bringing in, uh, Christian McCaffrey back from some other devastating injury that he picks up because he yep. came back from this one too soon all for the sake of what a 3-13, and 4-12 and 12 season who whatever it's yeah. going to end up being I, yeah. would, I would rest him until he's 110% yeah, but If you do come back after the appropriate amount of time you, sh you should fully recover from that injury so that is at least a plus yeah, I mean, and then by contrast, a much more minor uh, version of the same injury, Jimmy Garoppolo, starting quarterback for the Niners. We mentioned they were hard hit. They lost five starters from the game uh, yeah. on Sunday there, uh, much of which was blamed on the turf at the MetLife where the Jets yeah. and the Giants play. Uh, there's a fair amount of fear amongst the remaining Niners players because they have to play there again this week. They're just staying in New York because they're now playing mm. the Giants on Sunday. Um yeah, apparently it's new turf and it is it is not it's too sticky is the report, uh, and it is causing ankle and knee injuries all over the field. Uh, but Jimmy G is expected to come back and possibly play this week. Uh, he did play a little bit after the injury, so uh, he did go out after a while. But he yeah. did after he initially injured it, he did play a few snaps. So I think that is sometimes a good sign that you, if not next week, then the week after, he should be back by all accounts. Just to complete our set of 49ers, they're starting running back. Raheem Mostert busted an 80-yarder on the first play of the game and then after afterwards uh, only got three or four more carries in before he strained his MCL. Luckily, it is a, a strain and not a tear. Cool. So yeah. he's, he's expected to... Uh, Return. Miss. They haven't said exactly how long. Uh, Brandon Scherf, a great offensive guard for the Re for a nearly oh, I nearly did it there for the Washington football team, uh, <laughs> suffered the exact same injury this weekend, and he's expected to miss four to five weeks. So I guess we can apply the same to Raheem Mostert. Um, I will say of Mostert as well, he looks even faster. Like he, he he's he's of that uh, rigs mold where he's just faster than everyone else. He, he like, clocked I, the in that game on his 80 yarder. He clocked the highest recorded speed on an NFL field in like the last three years or something. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was he was booking. So hopefully he can just come back from this this wee strain on his knee and uh, and keep going from where he left off because they're going to need him missing all of those players. Hopefully so. I mean, I mean, they're uh, sorry, I'm blanking. Tevin Coleman, I want to say their backup running back also left the game with an injury. It's not clear mm. for how long. So they ended up Jarrett McKinnon in the game who did a fair job for them, and because the Jets are awful, they still blew them off the field. Blew the Jets out. <laughs> uh, including, we didn't really mention it, but it should be it should be brought up. The Jets surrendered a 55-yard run to Jarrett McKinnon on a third and 31. <laughs> <laughs> 
And this was right after Garoppolo got hurt. So you got yeah. you got the first series of a new backup quarterback in the game. They're not going to try and throw that deep with Nick Mullins. You know they're going to hand it off and surrender this possession. How yeah. do you are you not ready for that? How can you give that up? I know. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's getting off the subject. Uh, and then lastly, Drew Locke, uh, the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos, is lost uh, to a some shoulder injury. I don't have it exactly, but he's yeah. I just have to, shoulder. He's expected Three. to miss four to six weeks as well. It, yeah, it could be less than that, depending on how this all turns out. But just a it's, devastating weekend, really, for the yeah. sport. I mean, it's just taken us ten minutes to even read through all yeah. of these. And, and yeah, obvi- obviously the Broncos lost their star wide receiver and their starting quarterback. There, they have uh, yeah. well by pending coronavirus tests and the, the like. Uh, they've signed Blake Bortles, who will probably be their backup. It wasn't terrible, uh, like this yeah, week yeah, when it's really played a fair game having to come in against the Steelers who are yes. one of the better defences in football at the moment. Uh, so I think I, if Bortles comes in he'll be on the bench but um, yeah it's I just getting so. a, someone who can replace if there's another quarterback injury before Drew Locke comes back. Also we, we Tyrod Taylor it happened before the game but obviously he went out uh, injured uh, for Herbert to come in and I don't think he'll get back in after no, yeah, they took, I, I took the team I think he's probably healthy after this week but I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see them stick with Herbert from here on out. Um, don't forget for the Broncos as well. I mean, this is a team that I, I liked before the season. I thought there was a version of events where they could kind of go on a little run here. They lose Von Miller right before the season starts, and now they're without their their best receiver for the rest of the season and their uh, developing quarterback for at least until the halfway point, probably. Yep. Just yep. total write-off of the season for them due to injury. So, yeah, well, just really hope that the trend doesn't continue of – this many injuries uh, next week and in the following weeks because it really does put a dampener on so many team seasons that were promising or had plans and then it can yeah. just ruin it right there. Uh, so now out of the negativity, let's look forward to what's going to be happening next week. A few huge games next week, I think. Yeah, some big ones. Uh, obviously, uh, I think our game of the week has got to be the Chiefs going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Of course it does. By by any measure, and you can argue till you're blue in the face which is one and which is two, these are the two best teams in the NFL. And yeah. it's by a considerable margin. Uh, so getting to see the two of them go head-to-head is is a treat for a Monday night especially. Oh yeah, definitely the Ravens. Uh, and it's there's an interesting wrinkle that the both teams played the Texans. Uh, Chiefs played them week one. Ravens played them week two and both blew them out. I'm sure the Ravens didn't want to, uh, the to make make too much hard work of the Texans after seeing the Chiefs yeah. blow them out so easily. Uh, so yeah, the Ravens and Chiefs both keeping up with each other so far. Both wanting that number one seed in the AFC. I'm sure. Yep, I, um, I'll tell you what, as, as good as he was, Mahomes always incredible. Uh, as good as he was when the game was on the line this week against the Chargers, they, the Chargers kind of put some stuff on tape for the Ravens to take a look at because they gave them some serious trouble on that side of the ball. Yeah, uh, more, more than I've really seen him have. Uh, I, I couldn't even really say from my watching of it what it was that they did differently that, that made things so difficult for, for the Chiefs to move the ball. But they were getting pressure all over the place. They were getting in Mahomes' face, making things very difficult for him. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Ravens uh, kind of pay close attention to the game yeah. film from that one. And the Ravens had a historic rushing performance this week. So the Chiefs are going to have to figure out how you stop Ingram and Jackson uh, from just getting yeah, over man. 100 yards each. Like, uh, the only one. Yeah. Uh, the, only the, only, that out. the best hope for the Chiefs is to go up early 
so that the Ravens have to throw against yeah, them. I think to throw. Yeah, right. yeah. I, think, I think if you're, uh, I'm, it's not really in my wheelhouse, but if you're of a gambling uh, nature, take the over on this one because the Chiefs are going to come out throwing the. I imagine throwing the ball all over the place trying to stack up points. So I would go for the over in terms of the points scored for this competition. Because uh, I think you're absolutely right. They're going to have to put up serious numbers in the first half just so that they can't get worn down by the Ravens in the second. Yep, exactly. And I think of the other games happening this week, the Cowboys are going to Seattle to play the Seahawks, uh, which both teams had big wins this week. Yeah, my, my, uh, only note on, my only note on this game is uh, I'm, I'm already 100% sure that Seattle are for real and are a serious contender in the, in the NFC. Um, yeah. This game is going to be our chance to find out if the Cowboys are the absolute mess that they were through basically the first six quarters of this season or the yeah. potential NFC contenders that they were in the last two. Uh, I think this is where we're going to find that out for real. Yep, no, agreed, definitely. Uh, also, the Packers are going to play the Saints in New Orleans, which uh, yeah, no, an could be another high-scoring game. Uh, Drew Brees going up against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what Brees can do because the, the Packers have a serious uh, front up there, particularly with the two Smiths that they have playing the linebacker position. They can put those guys anywhere in the front seven and they'll have success. Uh, I think they're going to have to, at some point, throw the ball down the field, and I'm interested to see whether Brees can do it or not. Yeah, again, uh, well, Michael Thomas is questionable for that game, so I don't know if he will, will be back, but he would be a huge help just in getting those first downs. He's, he, he loves a, a little slant route, picking up yeah, the first down. Pick up a first. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that, that's what the Saints were missing, uh, like on those third downs, third and shorts. So, like, he just gets them, yeah. keeps them moving the chains, so he, he's a huge miss. Yeah. Uh, also, the Patriots at the Raiders, uh, which is another huge game. Great game. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so looking at it from the start of the season, but the Raiders at 2-0 look very impressive this week against the Saints, going to another tough matchup, this time on the road, if that makes any difference this year at yeah. all. Uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what comes out of that one for sure. Definitely. Did you have any? That's all I had written down for the, the highlights of next week. Did you have any others? Uh, I have a couple. We always need to mention the Steelers. I'm not going to stay on this for too long, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, the Texans are visiting Pittsburgh. We're going to have yep. all three Watt brothers in the game at the same time. Uh -huh. uh, the, Tex the reason I think this is an interesting one is because the Texans are desperate for a win. They have had a hellacious start to the season. They go from Kansas City to Baltimore to Pittsburgh, who I'm not going to put up there with those two teams. I'm not that much of a homer. But, <laughs> man, it's a tough defense, and the offense is coming along day by day. Uh, they need this one. It's going to be very difficult for them to get, especially because... Uh, and a reason to tune in, even if you're a neutral. There's going to be some serious fireworks because the Steelers currently have the se are second in the league through two games. That's with ten, and they are going up against a team through two games that has allowed the they are thirtieth ranked offensive line. They have allowed more pressures than anybody. They've allowed Deshaun yeah. Watson has been pressured fifty six times through two games. How's that even possible? He's basically <laughs> pressured every time he drops back. Uh, the Steelers are going to have a chance to get home. But that being said, they'll know all of this information. They will be stacking the game plan with, with blitzes. Uh, 
And if the Texans can come up with something to kind of counter that and get some quick action down the field, that'll be there waiting for them. So yeah, I think big big long plays are the way to score against the Steelers when they when they do bring that pressure because they do love a blitz. And when you've not got yeah. you've got sort of weaker coverage over the back, if you can protect them, they can get points off. Just Secondary is getting dragged through the mud through the first couple of weeks, and I'm I'm not saying they've performed greatly, but it does have to be said they get left in a lot of one-on-ones because the Steelers commit a lot to rushing the quarterback, and, and yeah. they kind of expect that over the course of the game in the aggregate that will work out in their favour, even though they kind of leave their their DBs out to dry sometimes. Yeah, and TJ Watt was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week last uh, again uh, during that game against the Giants. He had a huge game, a really big part of why they won that. So he'll be wanting to have another huge game against his brother JJ who's a former defensive player of the year and TJ yep. probably wants that honour also I would think so I mean that, that's really all the ones I have to, to mention um, last thing I, I don't think we need to go into it too much but it's just a contest between two teams you don't see play that often and both are having great starts you've got the Rams going to Buffalo uh, mm. it's kind of a mishmash there's not really any history between the two teams so there's not a lot to cling on to and talk about but there's two teams that to me looking at it I thought they seem on the face of it, Buffalo, LA, like they couldn't be more different, but they're actually kind of similar. You know, they're two yeah. quarterbacks taking big steps forward, high-powered offenses, both both guys very high up in the in the league standings. Josh Allen's leading the league in passing. Uh, mm-hmm. Goff, I don't know exactly where he sits, but he's somewhere in the top five. Um, and playmakers on defense. We've talked about it before. We talked about it last week going into the Saints and uh, Raiders game. The, mm-hmm. the recipe for an exciting game in the NFL High-powered offenses with playmakers on the defensive side of the ball is usually a good place to start. Yep, yep. I'm sure that will be a great one. Uh, I think that's 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 done. That was a long one. I can't wait for next week either. Yeah, man. Let's let's get out of here because you're right. That is a very long one. We are going long, as the name suggests. Uh, so this has been a lot of fun uh, and tune in next week we'll be breaking down all the games that we've just talked about Uh, see you then bye guys